you've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Urban Shooter Podcast. This is episode 194, Hard Times. This week, Kathy Jackson, Cameron Thompson, Zombie Strike number 53, Hard Times. And remembering the past. All this coming up next on your favorite righteous podcast, The Urban Shooter. Crossbreedholsters.com presents The Urban Shooter Podcast Thank God for an expert The weekly pro-gun variety show Featuring the internationally known black man with a gun Little friend And brother from a different mother That's what I call a close encounter Ken Blanchard Love it! It's a star You're gonna love it, it's a classic All right, got you back. Welcome to another episode of the Urban Shooter Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Blanchard. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for finding me on the net. You know, when you boil it down, it's pretty tough finding a pro-gun preacher with a podcast that uh, talks about rights and freedom for all people and is in motorcycles and martial arts and guns and fishing and everything that you're into. I don't really fit any stereotype, do I? No, but you found me here, and that's really cool. If you want to reach me anytime, it's blackmanwithagun at gmail.com for your comments, for your critiques, uh, for your shout-outs, anything you want to talk about, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also call me toll-free, 888-675-0202. And all that you hear and see is being supported by members of the Urban Shooter Association. They are folks just like you that are selfish they're not selfish. They're unselfish. That's the word I want to use. They're unselfish. And they're giving me $4 a month to keep this thing rolling and making it as good as it is. How nice is that? This week on your favorite righteous podcast, your friend and your brother from a different mother is bringing you an interview with some college kids out of Morehouse and Emory College in Georgia that are breaking stereotypes for the under 25 crowd. And we're going to talk about that. Also, author, editor, trainer, blogger, Kathy Jackson. is going to talk about her new book from her blog, The Cornered Cat. We're going to remember the past. I think we've got some news. And of course, we've got zombie strike. I want to wish a happy Hanukkah to all my Jewish brethren that have been lights in my life during 2010. I'm sending out a blessing and offering of praise and thanksgiving to God for delivering the strong into the hands of the weak, the many into the hands of the few, and the wicked into the hands of the righteous. And if you're ready, let's get this party started with our Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I'm sitting here in the office with the dog, and she's snoring and making uh, some silent but deadly sounds. So if I have to stop for a minute just to unfog my eyes. But it it was a rough week earlier. I mean, just some crazy stuff was going on. How about where you were? Everything's cool after the holiday. You made it through Black Friday and found you some black friends and everything was cool. Another big shout out to black gun owners 
Forum. That was a really cool interview, and I really appreciate the guys letting me bring him on. Hope to do that some more. Make sure you check out um, blackgunowners.org. But again, it's been some tough times. It's been hard. And uh, you know times are hard when gun range owners don't have to sweep up the brass at the end of the day. Everybody picks up their brass and takes it home to reload. You know times are hard when the McDonald employee asks you, can you afford fries with that? You know times are hard when Sony is about to release a flat screen LCD TV in black and white. You know times are hard when President Obama changed his slogan to, maybe we can. You know times are hard when my ATM gives me an IOU. You know times are hard when the highest paying job in town is jury duty. You know times are hard when you see a man in Costco buying one roll of toilet paper. You know times are hard when you get pre-declined from a credit card in the mail. You know times are hard when a prostitute asks you if she could borrow $20 until she can get back on her back. And the number one thing to let you know that times are bad, Angelina Jolie adopted a child from America. But you know, as bad as times are right now, this will be the good old days for your kids. Yeah, think about it. Remember when we were younger? When getting high meant swinging on the playground? When wearing protection was like wearing a helmet? Remember when the television went off? Remember when the worst thing you could get from girls was cooties? Yeah, man, back in the day. Way back. Red light, green light, chocolate milk, lunch tickets, penny candy in a brown paper bag, hopscotch, butterscops, double dutch, jacks, kickball, dodgeball. Remember that? Old school. Remember going roller skating on the street before rollerblades with metal skates that fashioned to your shoes? How about bedtime, jumping on your bed, pillow fights, and being tickled to death, laughing so hard that your stomach hurt? Remember being tired from playing? How about eating Kool-Aid powder with sugar? Man, didn't that taste good? How about running through the sprinkler? The smell of the sun and licking salty lips. How about watching Saturday morning cartoons? How about a pocket full of dry peas and a straw? Am I the only one that remembers that stuff? Remember that magic trick dad could do when he could remove his thumb? How about when anybody that was old was over 20? How about when having a weapon in school meant being caught with a slingshot? Remember when war was just a card game? Remember when nobody owned a purebred dog? When race issues meant arguing about who ran the fastest? When catching lightning bugs could be the biggest sport you did all summer? And it wasn't odd to have two or three best friends? Remember when it took five minutes for the TV to warm up? And how nearly everybody's mom was at home when the kids got there. It was all before the internet, PC or Mac, before the drug wars, crack or meth, before the chronic, before Ritalin, before dysfunctional was a regular word, before PS3 and Xbox and, or Xbox and, wee 
It was way back. But I remember. See, it's all relative. Mixed in there was some bad stuff too, but we just choose to forget about it. As will our kids forget about the bad stuff now. So to us, it's hard times, but don't let the hard times get you. This too shall pass. My mother told me Before she passed away Said, son, when I'm gone Don't forget to pray Cause there'll be hard times Hard times Who knows better than I Well I soon found out just what she meant when I had to pawn my clothes just to pay the rent talking about hard times hard times Who knows better than I? about hard times You know those hard times Yeah, Lord Who knows better than I Yeah, Lord One of these days There'll be no more sorrow When I pass away And no more hard times I say no more hard times Who knows better than I All right, our first interview this week is with Kathy Jackson, who's also editor of Concealed Carry Magazine. Kathy Jackson, welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Oh, thank you, Ken. It's good to be here. You got a new book out. Tell me about it. (laughs) I do. The book is Cornered Cat, A Woman's Guide to Concealed Carry. It's uh, based on my website, which is www.cornerandcat.com, and 
it's an extensive rewriting, reworking of the site with a bunch of new material, a uh, bunch of uh, interesting thoughts. Uh, and I really, what I do is I tackle concealed carry from a female perspective. I start with the ethics and the really the moral underpinnings of it, and then I go and I and I deal with all the practical issues with a lot of the practical issues finding a good holster, you know, what do I do about when I go visit the doctor's office, what do I do about friends' houses, I tackle a lot of those and just talk about the different points that you might want to consider. That's going to be good for anybody, male or female, that's carrying from my perspective. Well, I certainly hope so, although it is very definitely targeted for women. I mean, um, as far as I know, I'm the only firearms instructor in the world who has ever really explained to women how to deal with, for example, filling a magazine when you have long fingernails that get in the way. You know, I've got a, I've got a technique that I teach people how they, can, how they can fill the magazine with long fingernails. I've never yet uh, run across a man who really needed that, although I have run across a lot of men who really needed to know it because in turn they turn around and they teach female students. And it, it's surprising how often things like that come up and are a real um, a challenge for the female student. And so it can be very useful for a firearms instructor to see some of the, some of the little tweaks that you can do that uh, really help people uh, with more uh, precise needs. See, that's, that's the essence of an instructor. You can't, everybody has to pick your audience and... Some, somehow folks think that you can be a shotgun and just shoot everything, but everybody doesn't appeal to everybody, so that your audience your, that, that whole fingernail thing was huge, I mean just I bet instructors all over the place are just going wow, never even thought of that well and there's no reason why you would unless, unless it was something that you yourself had dealt with, and then you're like okay, well Here's something. Here's a, here's just a simple little thing that that we can do to make the students' experience a little bit easier. And any which way, the book it, it kind of has a lighter touch. I start each section with a uh, a dear Gunhilda, which um, you can you can look on the website and see who Gunhilda is. Uh, she's an advice columnist, a mythical one, and uh, she gets letters. And people who ask her things like, uh, Dear Gun Hilda, why do you carry a gun? Mm. And uh, she answers, uh, uh, Because I can't carry a policeman. That's right. And, you know, that's the sort of thing that, uh, that's opening the different sections where we're talking about it. But it also, I think, provides just a little bit of a lighter touch where people can see, okay, yes, this is a very serious topic. It can be depressing. But I, I, I do my best to provide it and to provide a, a, a really practical but, but lighthearted look at some of the uh, things that you might need to know. All right. That's a lot different from Lessons from Armed America, huh? Oh, it is. It is quite different from Lessons from Armed America. You'll find that, uh, well, for one thing, Lessons really talked about the... Lessons was really, really aimed at... A very different audience. Mm-hmm. It was talking to the gung ho guys who want to be the knight in shining armor, the you know, really hit that that protective, mm-hmm. gonna protect everybody I know and love, which is an important thing. But lessons were, for me was really an attempt to bring people back to reality and say, okay, you know, 
this is very serious stuff. Here are some of the sorts of things that can happen. Here's how you can be better prepared if those things happen. Here's how you can you can be better prepared to avoid some of those things from happening. And and that's really what lessons was about for me, you know, that and that's the the audience that I was aiming at were people who were already inclined to who were inclined a little bit towards I don't want to say fantasy, but you know, where where people have this mental image of of a soft, fuzzy focus uh positive positive glow image where where some of the harsh realities just don't impede mm-hmm. and and so my goal with uh, lessons was to help people see yeah those harsh realities are there too and here's how you can be prepared to cope with those with uh, the cornered cat it's aimed for beginners it's aimed at, at uh, women who are either on the cusp of concealed carry or who are just examining it to figure out if it will work for them or who have just started carrying and they're still trying to figure out the nuts and bolts. So with Cornered Cat, I'm, I'm talking a lot more about the practical issues. And although, you know, I make a big deal out of the ethical issues too, uh, that part is really aimed at helping people get over the hump between, well, can I do this? Should I do this? To, yes, I'm doing this and this is how I'm going to do it. Outstanding. I liked your blog long ago. I mean, before, when I was just searching for stuff and ran upon it, I thought, wow, she's different. <laughs> well, thank you. I, uh, I'll tell you what, Ken, I, I, I have a terrible confession to make. Years back, years and years back, I heard about the black man with a gun. And I went and I've, I've always really loved your blog i've always listened to your podcast off and on over the years but the one thing i had never done is i had never gotten the book and i just got it probably oh two three months back and it's phenomenal it's a great little book i think you've really done a service to to the community uh with with that book i wish i wish i had actually read it a long time ago it's a great book my first first attempt at a at an audience that I didn't know existed. That was, that was my own issue. I became this super califragilistic firearms instructor for the black community, and the black community wasn't looking for one. <laughs> They're out there, though, aren't they? You're yeah, not yeah. the only one in the world, are you? No. So, 10, it? almost 20 years ago, when I first started, I had a reality um, slap me in the face that. Okay, before I can even do what I want to do, I have to bring them with me. So I had to put down all the stuff that I was doing and just be an evangelist, just be an activist. And it's been a long, a long rule. But we're, we're getting there now as a, as, a whole, as a whole, the whole country, everybody's moving forward now. So it's a good thing. It is very much a good thing. And it's wonderful to see the real uh, diversity yeah. among shooters. Yeah. It's 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 uh, you know it's it's very very nice to see. So how can we get your book? Where can we find it? <laughs> ah, you can get it from whitefeatherpress.com. That's white, W-H-I-T-E feather, F-E-A-T-H-E-R press, P-R-E-S-S dot com. That's all one word, white feather press. And uh, it's it's uh, oh about four hundred pages, a little bit less. 
going to be cost going to cost around twenty bucks. Uh, actually, I'm not sure how many pages it finally weighed out to. We kept tweaking the margins and fiddling with the fonts, you know, trying to trying to make it the optimal balance between readable and affordable. Um, you know, one of the cool things about this book is that the appendices at the back of the book. I've got glossaries that uh, address all of the different uh, definitions that somebody new to concealed carry or new to firearms might mm-hmm. need to know. Cool. I mean, you ever hear the word plinking? I'm going to go plinking this weekend. Yeah. What in the world is that? You know, it's like this jargon that we use, and nobody, you know, somebody who's new to it is going to go, what? And the more barriers we have, we, we lose somebody. <laughs> It's true. It's true. You know, just just little things like that can make all the difference in the world if, if people just, you know, if, if we've got somewhere that they can real surreptitiously just look it up. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be now, made here's, a fool. Yeah, it's true. And here's the other thing. Somebody asked me, well, why in the world did you do a book? You know, you've got the website. Uh, what, what's the purpose of the book? And I'll tell you, quite frankly, the purpose of the book so you can hand it to people. Mm-hmm. You can take it to the range with you if you need to. Yep. You can loan it to people. Um, <laughs> and here's my own little thing. You can read it in the bathtub. Sure. Your laptop doesn't hold up real well to that sort of behavior. But That's it. So, uh, it's a bathroom book. <laughs> gotta have well, a bathroom you know, it's book. Got enough, everybody's got to have a bathroom book. Yep. <laughs> bathroom book or book on a metro. Mm. Yeah, there is that. So. Oh, cool, cool. So you're also doing um, Armed America, not Armed America, but the uh, Concealed Carry magazine. You're part of that too, right? I am. I am. I am the managing editor at Concealed Carry magazine, and let me tell you, that's a hoot. That's a hoot and a half. I love every issue. I I really love getting the articles from different writers. People send me stuff and and. Uh, you know, they want to get it published, and every single issue, I learn something from somebody. It's it's uh, really phenomenal that way. Yeah, I'm like cool. I'm like I haven't I haven't been one of those submitters yet, but the um, watching the whole process has been phenomenal. Just um, from Tim Schmidt coming into the scene and how he's kind of breaking some rules and and not playing with the normal people. I kind of dig that. <laughs> it has been a great success story, let me tell you. In a time when most of the traditional publishing media is dying, yeah. you know, magazines go out of business left and right, newspapers are going out of business, everything's moving to online. In a time when all of that is dying, our magazine has been growing. It's been steadily growing. Yeah. And it's just it's it's a lot of fun to watch it happen. It's a lot of fun to be a part of it. I'm sure leading from this side of the coast. Hey, you got that big snow yet? <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here looking at six, eight inches of snow, and it's about 14 degrees outside. Whoa. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not used to that sort of that sort of thing. You know, we're, we're Pacific Northwest. We get a little bit more moderation usually, uh, but uh, this time around, it decided to snap nice and cold. I'm just. I've got extra layers on. I heard that. Well, It'll be a lot of fun to travel. <laughs> I know, I know. 
add it to your stuff. Yeah. Well, we can get it at White Feather Press. Um, you are the author of Cornered Cat, also the Corner Cat blog, which is still good. Mm-hmm. Um, managing editor of Concealed Carry Magazine, and you're a trainer too, right? I am. I the other hat that I wear is I'm an I'm an instructor at the Firearms Academy of Seattle. Um, you know that's been a phenomenal thing too. I've really, really owe you know, Thanksgiving season. I owe a debt of gratitude to Marty Angela Hayes at the Firearms Academy of Seattle mm. because when I first started shooting, they took me under their wings and they really they brought me along to where I could, you know, where where I was competent and safe with a handgun. And then I said, you know, I want to learn more. And they invited me to come on staff. And we started up a women's study group, which has been just a, a, a great joy to me to then turn around and be able to help other women learn how to shoot, learn how to be safe, learn how to protect themselves. Um, and then the, the fellowship and camaraderie that you get, you know, it's just fun hanging out at the range with like-minded people. Yeah, uh, but it all started really, yeah. <laughs> but it all started. It all started when I took a class there and realized this was not just something that I could do. It was also something I really wanted to do. And uh, that's that's really how I got my start with all of this. Is that I spent enough time hanging out at the Firearms Academy of Seattle that uh, eventually they decided, okay, you know. You, you still want to hang around here, you might as well help. So they, they handed me a whistle and taught me how to, how to uh, you know, just, just work the line behind so that I could be a fly on the wall during classes. Eventually, if they started shoving me up in front of the class and saying, okay, you know, you can teach this segment, because I know you know this segment, so you can teach this segment. And, you know, it pretty well went from there. Nice. All right. Well, we look forward to reading your work and hearing from you again all right thank you very much ken i very much appreciate it yeah, you're welcome you stay warm and thanks for joining <laughs> us on the urban shooter you- podcast <laughs> all right the minister of defense the pastor of paladins patriots and pistoleros will be right back after these commercials hi i'm mark craighead founder of crossbreed holsters i designed our top selling holster the super tuck deluxe to solve the problems of being poked pinched and gouged while carrying concealed the super tuck deluxe is the most comfortable most concealable holster on the market today We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget, crossbreedholsters.com. Is the cost of ammo bringing you down? Are you ready to have fun with your firearm again? If you need ammo, your friend and brother from a different mother has the answer. LuckyGunner.com. Good prices. LuckyGunner.com. If your time is valuable, LuckyGunner.com. Order your ammo today, LuckyGunner.com, where you won't waste your time and the shipping is fast. It's 110% guaranteed. LuckyGunner.com. 
your eyes are priceless. Don't settle for less than ESS iPro. Advanced eye protection systems for military, law enforcement, and fire rescue professionals. Protect your eyes and look good doing it. Designed to take on the planet's most hostile and unforgiving environments. Featuring cutting-edge technologies, patented innovations for peak performance, and uncompromised eye safety. ESSIPro.com Tell them Ken Blanchard sent you. ESSIPro.com And now, back to the man who's packing more than a browning. D.C. Appeals Court ruling finds ammo ban unconstitutional. The District of Columbia's Court of Appeals has ruled that a general ban on the possession of ammunition is a violation of the Second Amendment in a case that predates the 2008 Heller ruling by more than two years. Kevin A. Harrington was arrested in November 2005 by District of Columbia police officers after an incident in which he allegedly drew a black handgun and aimed it at them. As Harrington fled into his home, he dropped a black object that later turned out to be a black baseball cap. When officers entered his home and were allowed by Harrington's mother to conduct a search, they found ammunition in two different calibers stashed in a heating vent in his room. He was charged with various crimes, including assault of a police officer while armed, possession of a firearm during a crime of violence, and assault with a dangerous weapon. The assault with a dangerous weapon charge was dropped, and a jury acquitted Harrington of everything but unlawful possession of ammunition. However, the appeals court held that, from the Supreme Court's reasoning, it logically follows that the right to keep and bear arms extends to the possession of handgun ammunition in the home, for if such possession could be banned, and not simply regulated, that would make it impossible for citizens to use their handguns for the core lawful purpose of self-defense. Further, in ruling the ammunition ban unconstitutional, the appeals court also noted that where the Constitution, in this case, the Second Amendment, imposes substantial limits on what conduct may be defined as a crime, a legislature may not circumvent those limits by enacting a statute that presumes criminality from constitutionally protected conduct and puts the burden of persuasion on the accused to prove facts necessary to establish innocence. The court reversed Harrington's conviction by the trial court, noting that he was convicted of unlawful possession of ammunition in violation of the Second Amendment. This article was provided free by GunWeek.com. For more great news, subscribe to our print edition. That's from the Second Amendment Foundation. You're going to hear more from me about the Second Amendment Foundation, and I'm hoping you can make the Gun Rights Policy Conference that's going to be in Chicago or somewhere close by in 2011. It's going to be a big one for the Urban Shooter Podcast. The details to come. Next up, a little conversation I had with a young brother from Georgia, Mr. Cameron Thompson. Mr. Thompson, welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. 
Hey, I'm glad to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Man, you yeah. sent me a short little blurb about the Atlanta Collegiate Competition Shooters. Tell me about that and you. I did. We're a shooting team. We're a group of um, four people right now who are all students across Atlanta. Go to Morehouse College myself, and um, there's two, two or three people who go to Emory. I think one goes to Georgia State. And um, he's a new shooter, but we got together with the intent of getting new people into the sport, finding new shooters, and changing people's attitudes towards guns on college campuses. On the college campuses. That's correct. At Morehouse College. At Morehouse College. And um, college campuses generally aren't the most hospitable places towards people who like guns, but we're changing that through showing people um guns being used in positive things because in Atlanta you frequently turn on the news and see a lot of people doing stuff they shouldn't be doing but that's the only exposure that most people get and we're working hard to change that Outstanding man so how are you using social networking to get the message out? Well one of the big things that we do is we use Facebook and um, YouTube to show videos of our team shooting in these competitions and we've got a lot of fans we've got about 600 on our Facebook page and um what we do is we try and get people to see the other aspects of shooting sports, like three-gun, IPSC, USPSA, not just the conventional stand-and-shoot bullseye where it's about as exciting as watching grass grow or poker. And um, these action shooting sports are a lot easier to watch than um, what you might be used to if you've ever seen the Olympics. So those, those media networking sites are the best way for us to, to find people who like to see stuff like this and um, advertise with different companies that are interested in sponsoring us. Cool. So is it fair to say you guys are under 25? We are all under 25, and um, I'm 22 myself. We've got a couple of members who are 19, and they're going to be spending a little bit more time in school. I'm about to graduate, but we're going to make sure that um, we gear this towards students since we don't want a whole bunch of old folks running around, and we're going to get out of there pretty soon. Hey, 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 hey. Speaking for the old people. <laughs> okay, man. So you're geared toward the student shooter. You are putting it down at the college. What opposition have you had? Well, um, we haven't had much. Um, the only opposition we've had is from people that um, are trying to do the same thing. And I wouldn't call it opposition. I'd do probably more like competition. Okay. And what we do is competition, so it's healthy. And it brings more attention to what we're doing when I'm... Um, we have multiple parties trying to get the same thing. It's a little more exciting. So does other collegiate groups also shoot? We are the only collegiate group. There are corporate shooting teams that are involved in these shooting sports, and we are trying to get as much attention as we can. There's a lot of unclaimed attention, but we are finding ourselves on um, different types of media, and we're really happy to see that. Okay. You guys made the news. Um, they called you guys the Young Guns. We did, and we were featured on Three Gun Nation on their website. We're hoping to um, be televised next year when they start to record more competitions. So what's your what's your goal in the long term? Well, our long-term goal is to basically change the image of um, how these sports are seen. Most people don't know about them, but the people that do don't partake in them that frequently. You're trying to get it to be a mainstream thing like a... Um, an ESPN sport, an X game, or something that you tune in TV and watch, and something that's a lot more culturally acceptable where you can just turn around and see it just like it's any other kind of sport. 
So it's reaching that that level of popularity is pretty underground, like UFC fighting. But one day it's going to be up there with everything else that um, we see today. What's the attitude on campus about you guys? Well, most of us, um, most of the people that we connect with are sympathetic toward it, but we try and keep it a secret other than um, times that we advertise on the internet. We we don't walk around telling people about this on campus because we figure it would draw a negative type of attention. We think the best way for people to find out about it is um, through these social networking sites because the people that go out of their way to find them are generally much more open to um, stuff like this than people we just approach. So we don't do any kind of activity political activity on campus. That's an interesting piece you just said there. Do you think that works best for your demographic? For our demographic, I would say that viral media is something that's catching on a lot these days. And when people have to go and research and find out what it is they're seeing, they tend to be a lot more interested than if you just told them to begin with. So instead of telling people what they should believe, we, we try and let them find out about it. Peaks their interest when they have to go and learn and basically see what um what it is that we're doing so just being told what we're doing nice tip man nice tip how we find you on facebook doc well the best way to get in touch with us is to um jump on our facebook page like you said at facebook.com slash acc shooters that's alpha charlie charlie and sierra shooters okay acc shooters and um we have a page set up where people can find out more about us. They can find all of our videos on YouTube. And our YouTube page is youtube.com slash student shooters. And um, you can find out how we started, our members, about our members, their biographies, things like that. And don't worry, guys. If you um, are listening to this podcast, there'll be links on episode on the episode that have that shoot you right there. So don't even worry about writing it all down. It'll be right there on urbanshooterpodcast.com. Man, good info, Doc. So, Cameron, anybody you want to give a shout-out to that might be listening? Well, there's a lot of people who've helped me um, start shooting and get to this point and helped me um, create this. The biggest um, person I'd like to recognize is Roman and Ryan Gantz. He's going to be the person I'm handing this off to pretty soon because hopefully I'm going to be um, jumping onto a new venture. I won't be able to talk about it, but there's going to be details on our Facebook page when it does happen. I think I'm going to split off in leave this in the hands of some more capable people who can put more time into it but he's the person that introduced me to your podcast and he will pop up a lot on our page in the future alright man appreciate that well, cameraman I wish you the best of luck doc it was nice talking to you reverend and I hope to see you soon oh yeah we're gonna make that happen cool Hi, Urban Shooter listeners and lovers. Visit the new UrbanShooterPodcast.com. There's a new email contact, and you can read past and new show notes for each episode, comment directly online, check out the wiki, the zombie page, and all the cool stuff on UrbanShooterPodcast.com. Last week on Zombie Strike. After blowing up the tractor trailer that Ted the Wan Waving Minion was on, Mateo wakes up to find that the explosion, orchestrated by Slim, didn't work. And for some strange reason, Dude was still alive and gloating. 
Mateo fixed that, though, and with a smooth move, flips the script and finally double taps the mug. Meanwhile, back at Washington Hospital Center, Jess and Colin have a showdown. But the teacher shows that age and treachery yet again defeats youth and skill. But it's all good. Colin is on our side. Or is he? Everyone arrives for a big meet and greet. Ken lands a good one to Colin's jaw. Tredegar, Mateo, and the army arrive and make it plain. The new focus. Take the fight to the truth. All for one and once and for all. And that, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to episode 53 of Derek Ward's ongoing saga heard only on the Urban Shooter podcast. And of course, on Zombie Strike podcast itself. It's dark and I'm wearing sunglasses. Hit it. This is Zombie Strike. Part 53. Approximately 20 miles from the village of Roska, island of Corsica. 14 August 2010. 0200 hours local. Countdown. One year. Two months. 16 days. Mateo Cortez gripped the handhold tighter as the helicopter bucked from a sudden updraft. He'd come to hate flying in choppers. They were noisy, uncomfortable, and tended to jerk at the wrong moment. Mateo was still half convinced the machines wanted to crash. Unfortunately, nothing beat them for rapid entry. Another jolt made Mateo wish he'd been able to lead Collins part of the mission. Then he remembered he hated skydiving more than flying in a helicopter. That was better left to the experienced people. Two minutes, Mr. Cortez, the pilot said over the headphones. Mateo held up two fingers to his team in the helicopter's cabin. The red light cut out, plunging the cabin into darkness. Mateo took off the headphones and put on his helmet. A few quick attachments and his eyes lit up with the distinctive green of night vision. Mateo checked his team. Jim was almost hanging out of the helicopter's door by one hand. The other was firmly gripped on his precious bighorn 500 Smith & Wesson lever action. The team's resident cowboy had demanded to be part of the offensive, and Mateo was glad to have him along. Sport sat next to Jim, looking almost asleep. Sport was one of those good utility shooters. For this assault, Sport was the team's grenadier. He carried an M4 and an XM25 20mm grenade launcher the Army lent the team. Sitting next to Mateo was Jess. The girl had become very serious over the last couple of weeks. She pushed herself almost as hard as Mateo. He knew it wasn't healthy for her. Robin Adams had told him as much the day before. Zombie Strike's new liaison from M&W practically demanded that Mateo leave Jess behind. One look in his foster daughter's eyes and Mateo knew that wouldn't happen. The girl needed vengeance as bad as Mateo. She caught him looking at her and she patted the scar H strapped to her chest. The team sharpshooter was ready. Billy, the spirit wolf pup, looked up from her feet. He was ready as well. Quentin McClintock was pulling triple duty for this operation. Not only was it a team's close quarters person, but he was also acting as Mateo's tactical deputy. Those two roles would have been hard enough, 
But Mateo knew that Ken Blanchard, the commander of Zombie Strike, asked the big man to keep an eye on Mateo and act as the team conscience. The last member of the team was a surprise. Special Agent Edgar Tredegar of the FBI was lounging in the helicopter seat. Tredegar was acting as the team medic and intelligence specialist. Apparently, Tredegar made his way into college via the U.S. Army, where he'd been a medic in the 101st. Mateo still thought he looked out of place in battle rattle, with an M4 strapped to his chest. Gunfire cracked over the sound of the helicopter. From the sound, it was all small arms fire, and none of it was coming near the helicopter. Colin's team must have made contact. Earlier than expected, but well within the plan's parameters. Well, he had all the experienced shooters with him for a reason. Mateo looked out the open cargo door. The town's power had been cut an hour ago. There were a few lights, either from generators or torches. Tracers from the gun battle between Collins' team and the town's defenders gave the scene an almost sci-fi feel. Mateo's stomach revolted as the helicopter dropped out of the sky only to flare to a hover a bare few feet from the dusty ground. The crew chief forcefully gestured for the team to get out. Jim, Jess, and Billy jumped out and sprinted about 20 yards away from the helicopter before crouching down with the weapons up. Sport and Quentin were the next out, hustling across the ground to their positions. Mateo and Tredegar jumped out an instant before the helicopter roared back into the night sky. The downwash pelted the team with stinging dust and small pebbles. Mateo remembered another reason he hated helicopters. The team was motionless as the dust settled around them. The edge of the town was maybe 300 yards away from them. The buildings stood in shadows, just barely visible in the team's night vision. Mateo waited. He was listening to Billy. He wasn't growling, so the team wasn't in immediate danger. Even so, they didn't have time to waste. Mateo motioned to Jim. The cowboy gave a short nod and trotted toward the town. The team filed in behind him. Just and Billy were next, following about ten yards behind Jim. Quentin jogged behind the pair, with Tredegar right behind him. Mateo came next with Sport covering their rear. All of the team was anxious as they neared their target. This mission was different than any they had done before. In the past year, Zombie Strike had engaged the cult known as the Truth several times, but it had always been in reaction to the Truth's operations. Contain a zombie outbreak here. Try to prevent the cultists from stealing an artifact there. This time, Zombie Strike was on the offense. This town was one of the Truth's strongholds, and Zombie Strike was here to wipe it out. Billy growled an instant before the darkness was broken by the twinkling of muzzle flashes and the distinctive sound of assault rifles from the town. The team instantly scattered as bullets kicked up plumes of dust. There wasn't any cover on this side of the town, and precious little in the way of concealment. The team managed to duck behind sparse bushes and small rises in the ground. More weapons opened up on the team, not ARs or AKs from the sound. Probably something German. Jess, Jim, suppress a fire, Mateo ordered over the team's radio net. Quentin, sport, we need a hole opened up. A chorus of double clicks acknowledged Mateo's commands. 
Jim's rifle boomed over the puny sounds of assault rifles. One of the muzzle flashes stopped suddenly. Jim racked another cartridge and continued firing. Jess was methodically taking out targets. Her suppressed scar, silent next to Jim's thunderous lever action. The incoming fire lessened as the shooters were either killed or hid from the two sharpshooters. Sport and Quentin sprinted the last hundred yards to the town. Mateo waited impatiently as the two kicked their way into a small building and set up a crossfire against their assailants. From this distance, their suppressed weapons were essentially silent. Boss, we got them pinned down in a shop caddy corner to us, Quentin reported after a tense two minutes. We could use some help. Mateo leaped to his feet and charged toward the town. The town was essentially a large diamond with several neatly laid out blocks of homes and shops clustered around what Mateo thought of as a town hall. Scattered single buildings, like the one Quentin and Sport were fighting from, dotted the edges of the town. From what Mateo remembered of the town's layout, the bad guys were using a shop on the edge of one of the city blocks. Mateo and the rest of the team lined up behind Quentin's building. Just see if you can get up on the roof and rain down some fire, Mateo said. The teen nodded. She slipped around the corner with Billy in tow. Mateo wished the wolf pup was coming with him, but he had to admit that he felt easier knowing the pup was guarding Jess. Directly across from Mateo was a vacant lot the town had been using as an impromptu dump for large appliances. Discarded ovens, refrigerators, and other junk were scattered across the grass and gravel lot. It wasn't great for cover, but it would do. The bad guys opened up with a new fuselage. Mateo ducked into the scrap lot with Jim and Tredegar in tow. A couple of the more observant bad guys saw the three men running and fired bursts at them. Bullets panged off of metal as they narrowly missed the team. That just wouldn't do. Mateo rose up until the building was in sight. He could see maybe a dozen or so pale green figures in what had been a cafe across the street. Mateo aimed at one and squeezed the trigger. The suppressed M4 stuttered like an electric typewriter. The figure collapsed to the ground. Tredegar dropped another. Then Jess started firing. Three went down in less than three seconds. Another two went down victims of Quentin and Sport. The remaining five threw their weapons out into the street and raised their hands. Under Jim and Jess's rifle, Mateo ordered the bad guys out into the street. Four of the five were just townspeople. Mateo swallowed for a momentary pang of guilt as he watched Quentin and Sport zip-tie them. These men weren't innocent people defending their town from invaders. Zombie Strike had good intel that the town people were willing partners of the truth whether it was because they believed in the truth's mad plan or just because they wanted the truth's money wasn't clear. In the end, it didn't matter. If they were willing to take up arms in defense of the cult, they were targets. If they surrendered, Mateo was willing to tie them up and stash them until the fight was over. Tredegar had the last man off to the side with his arms bound behind him and lying on his stomach. This was definitely a member of the cult. He was maybe 20, if a day, with his brown hair in a fashionable cut. Duct tape across his mouth muffled the unending string of angry protest. 
Tredegar was busily sorting through the contents of the cultist's jeans and outdated web gear. Anything useful? Mateo asked. Doesn't look like it, Tredegar said. He's just a flunky, probably not even one of their champions. Mateo grimaced as Tredegar used the cult's name for what Zombie Strike had called minions. I'll check the ones that didn't survive the fight. We don't have time for an investigation, Mateo said. Over the past two weeks, Mateo gained a newfound respect for the investigative abilities of the FBI agent and his colleagues. They could do some amazing detective work, but they did it at a methodical pace. Excellent for preparing a criminal case, not so much in the middle of an operation. Five minutes, Tredegar asked. Mateo scanned the surrounding area. No sign of additional bad guys. He nodded. Tredegar took two steps toward the cafe before he stopped suddenly and cursed. Mateo looked back as the dead began to rise. Team, we gotta kill them twice. Mateo announced over the radio as he brought up his M4. This concludes another installment of the narrated story Zombie Strike by Derek Ward. Join us next time for another exciting edition of the ongoing saga. This product is protected by copyright owned by Blanchard Studios, Kenneth Blanchard, and other individuals or entities. Any production, retransmission, republication, or any other use of part or audio found on this site is expressly prohibited unless prior written permission has been granted by Kenneth Blanchard or the appropriate copyright owner. All other rights reserved. Well, that's it for episode 194 of the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thank you for joining me this week. A big thank you to Miss Kathy Jackson, my brother Cameron Thompson. I want to wish you a happy birthday. And thank Ramik uh, Johnson for bringing the two of us together. Yeah. Didn't know I knew about your birthday, huh? I want to give a quick shout out to my brother Bill, who we actually traded some stuff. And uh, I hope you like your new Kimber. You know, this week starts my fourth year of podcasting. Unbelievable. Remember, if you're going through a hard time, this too shall pass. I know you've been going through and you saying, man, bend over, here it comes again. Or like they used to say in the, old, in the army time, Bohica. Well, I can feel your angst out there as you look at your wallet and watch the moths escape. Your bank account, your take-home pay doesn't take you home anymore. Your retirement, what is that? Your spouse, he or she ain't looking so hot these days. Kids, are these jokers really mine? You may just be wondering, WTF? But ladies and gentlemen, it's not that bad. Don't get caught up in the what ifs when you're down. If you're listening to this right now, your life is okay. Yes, it could be better, but it will get better. You just have to hold on until it does. You know, a lot of people aren't real happy with change, but it's inevitable. As the seasons change to colder weather, it's easy to get the blues. You can play them, you can love listening to the music, but don't you be blue. And just know that I'm your friend and your brother from a different mother. I'm just a guy that has survived some stuff, and I'm here to share a smile with you. Let you decompress, laugh, learn something new, and maybe just help you get on a little further. In the news, um, for you Android and BlackBerry users, the podcast will have a new app available for your system soon. And if you're looking for some 380 ammo, 
check out the link on urbanshooterpodcast.com or blackmanwithagun.com for luckygunner.com. They got your ammo, guaranteed. Use the link from my site, please, so the little leprechauns will know that you're one of my friends and I get credit for it. Or not. Be that way then. You know, there's a lot of negative energy out there, but you can counter it. You have a choice. You can feel like crap or not. Until next week, I'm here for you. Believe it or not. Happy Hanukkah. Shalom, baby. Thank you for listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Ken would love to hear from you. Email him at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Talk to you next week. This show is part of the Gun Rights Radio Network. Podcasting freedom. Gunrightsradio.com.